Welcome to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers Podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we want 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to be your favorite place to go to enjoy a great mix of vintage detective shows from the golden age of radio. The scripts were great, the action was hot, and even the old commercials are enjoyable. And now, another episode of 1001 Radio Crime Solvers is ready to go. Enjoy! The Adventures of Father Brown. Here he is, Father Brown, the best-loved detective of them all. Humanity produces optimists only because it has never produced a really happy man. From the masterful and exciting pages of G.K. Chesterton comes that fascinating human being, Father Brown, played by Carl Swenson. Underneath the modest exterior of Father Brown is the rich character of a generous, deeply human man with a sensitive and quick-witted mind. In addition to being a man of God, he is a man of the world, a man of science, and a brilliant amateur detective. And now, the three tools of death. Facing the afterglow of a beautiful summer sunset, Father Brown sits alone in the study of his modest parish house. He's half dozing when Nora, his housekeeper, enters. Father Brown. Hmm. Father Brown. No. <clears throat> yes, Nora. <clears throat> what, what time is it? Time for your tea. Here it is, nice and hot. Ah, thank you. Just set it there, please. Were you asleep? Oh, I was in between, Nora, just in between. A beautiful state of being, I assure you. Half out of this world and half in. It's a good thing young Father Peter took over your duties for a day. I told him... There's somebody at the door. Don't worry, I'll take care of that. No. Oh, good evening, Nora. Is your Father Brown in? I'm sorry, Flambeau, but he's rested. No, no, Nora, you you know Flambeau's always welcome. Tell him to come in. Oh, all right. Come in, come in, Flambeau. Have a cup of tea. Uh, no, thanks, Father. I'm all upset. A friend of mine is in trouble. Oh. Will you come with me to Oakville? My car's outside. Here, here. No, not so fast. Get your breath. Sit down. Father, hmm. you've heard of Aaron Armstrong, the philanthropist and lecturer? Oh, Armstrong. The author of those bestsellers on how to be happy, etc. Had that such a tremendous following? Yes, Father. That's the one. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I've read his books. And I attended one of his lectures once in which he offered his followers an easy road to happiness. Or heaven, as he called it. That's the guy, Father. Yes. As I remember, he um, apparently based his teachings on one of the Proverbs of Solomon. A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bone. Uh-huh. Yes. He believed in giving up all the physical appetites, smoking, overeating, and drinking. <laughs> yes, and above all, he believed in being cheerful. He, he dealt with a drink problem with an enormous gaiety. Well, he's dead. His body was discovered early this morning. Well, you don't say. Where? Right near his house, in a ditch on the parkway. What happened? Nobody knows. But according to the police, it looks like murder. Uh, did you say his, clo- uh, his house is close to the parkway? Yes, on an embankment just above it. Well, what makes the police think it wasn't an accident, Flambeau? Well, he was wearing only his dressing gown. And another strange thing, Father. A small piece of rope was tied around one of his ankles. Was any weapon found? No. But it was apparent he'd been struck on the head by a huge instrument of some sort. Cuts and bruises on his body showed signs of a struggle. Well, who put you on the case? Oh, no one. The dead man's secretary, Robert Royce, uh-huh. is an old friend of mine. I, I called him as soon as I heard the news and offered him my services as private investigator. But he, he refused to see me. Well, that's strange. No, yet, yet no. Not so strange if he were implicated. Who else is there beside Royce in the household? Just Armstrong's daughter. A very attractive girl, I hear, but completely dominated by her father's cheerfulness. Uh-huh. And there's also a gardener, I believe. And uh, your friend Royce, uh, well, what sort of man is he? Oh, he's a huge, genial sort of fellow, a Scotsman. Did he and Armstrong get along well together? Well, Royce was devoted to him. Ah, uh, yes. Armstrong had many devoted followers. You know, he's always interested me, Flambeau. He puzzled me, in fact. Puzzled you? Yes. 
When, when first I heard him lecture, I, I remember thinking that he had a troublesome road ahead. I believe that somewhere in his life, he'll find the secret of his death. But, Father, according to the papers, he lived as he preached. Oh, yes, I know, I know, Flambeau. The old fellow's optimism was phenomenal. But somehow I don't believe he found that easy road to heaven, as he called it. No? No. Neither have I. There is no shortcut to heaven, my friend. But who would want to kill such a man? Well, if, if ever I murdered somebody, I dare say it might well be an optimist of the proportions of old Armstrong. His optimism was so out of proportion. I've heard cheerfulness referred to as a virtue. Yeah, well, people like frequent laughter, but a permanent smile, Flambeau. Well, now that, that's something else again. As Shakespeare says, the devil hath power to assume a pleasing shape. Oh, Father, it's six o'clock. We're just in time for the news. Let's turn on the radio. That's a good idea. Perhaps there's something further on the case. Listen. Clear tonight and tomorrow somewhat cooler. Now we bring you a special bulletin just handed me on the Armstrong Yeah, turn it up, Flambeau. John Magnus, the gardener, the millionaire philanthropist, has been reported missing. Oh. Also, negotiable bonds the dead man valued at $100,000. The police received this report only a short while ago and are now conducting a statewide search for the gardener. It is believed... Well, that seems to be the first real clue. Do you mind if I use the phone, Father? Uh, I'd like yeah. to uh, talk to Royce again. Yeah. The call uh, will cost you a nickel. Tax, two cents. That's seven cents. It, it just drop a dime in the poor box on your way out. All right, Father. Hello, Royce. This is Flambeau. Now, wait a minute. We just heard the news about the gardener's disappearance. Oh, hold on, hold on. You remember the friend I was telling you about? Yes, Father Brown. Well, we'd like to come up. What's that? Oh, I don't get it. Royce. Royce. My father, he's hung up. What did he say? He said if we valued our lives, we wouldn't go near that house. Ah, interesting. Well, 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 Flambeau, that's what I call a real invitation. Come on, my friend, let's go. I'm sure there's someone here, Father. Hmm. Ring again, Flambeau. Ah, here's someone now. Yes? What do you want? Oh, good evening, Royce. So it's you, Flambeau. I thought I warned you plain enough over the phone. You did. But look here, Royce. I don't understand It why... was plain English I spoke. I know, but you sounded like you were in trouble. Well, I'm not. Oh, come, man. Don't act as though we weren't friends. Oh, this is Father Brown. Uh, I gathered as much. Um, Mr. Royce, I, I, I'm afraid I'm to blame for this visit. Well, it was good to be here to come, Father, but I wish you'd both heeded my warning. Man, what kind of a friend would I have been if I had? I tell you, the police have already investigated. I know, I know. I've talked with them. Uh, perhaps we can help you, Mr. Royce. Help? In what way? Well, uh, maybe we could tell better if you'd ask us in. Very well. You may come in. But you should have let sleeping dogs lie, Flambeau. I must confess I can't find anything here in Armstrong's room that tells us very much. And just what did you expect to find? Mr. Rice. Yes? Uh, what do you make of the gardener's disappearance? Magnus is a fool, maybe a thief, but he never killed Mr. Armstrong. I'm sure it was the deed of a madman. Uh, I see. My, my, my. Well, I would never have expected those to be there. Father, what are you looking at? Well, that pair of socks over there thrown under the bureau. Oh, they should be in the bureau drawer. Here, I'll put them away. Uh, wait, uh, may I have a look at those bureau drawers, Mr. Rice? What for? Well, I'd just like to look. What are you searching for? Well, I'll take a peep at that closet, too, if you don't mind. Well, now that's funny. What, Father? Everything looked so neat when we came in. Mr. Armstrong was always very particular. Everything is in order on the surface. But underneath, underneath... Things look different. What things? Well, in the closet, his socks are stuffed in the hangers with the suits. And in the bureau drawers, under those beautifully laid-out shirts... Yes? 
A whole lot of ginger spilled from a box. Why do you have to go on with this? The police went over the room very thoroughly. The room, perhaps. But they seem to have missed this piece of rope. Look here. I found it caught in the vine just below the ledge of the window. Well, it couldn't have been there this morning that the police would have found it. Well, I just saw the wind blow an end of it out from under the vine. Royce, maybe you can tell me how this piece of rope got there. What has that got to do with the case? You know perfectly well a piece of rope was tied around the leg of the dead man. That rope in your hand was left from fixing the windows. Well, now, I'm just wondering. Wondering, wondering what, Father? Well, let me take a look out of that window. Why? For a very good reason. The police haven't yet established why the dead man was found on the parkway. No. No, that isn't it. The window isn't high enough for the, from the ground for him to have fallen. Or been pushed or to have jumped. Right. And not high enough for his body to have rolled down the embankment to the parkway. Mr. Rice, isn't there another floor to this house? Eh, uh, there's only an attic. Mm. Robert! Robert! That's Miss Armstrong. She's been much upset since her father's death. Oh, yes, yes, of course. You'll have to excuse me for a moment. Certainly. Father, hmm. I don't like the look of things. This rope I found in the vine was cut with a sharp instrument. The rope found on Armstrong's ankle was also cut with a sharp instrument. Mm. And did you notice the cut on Royce's knuckle? Yes, yes, I did, Flambeau. But, uh, you know, I haven't noticed any geniality. He's hardly the person you described to me. Yes, I know, Father. Didn't like him. Nevertheless, it seems to fit his unshaven appearance. It's the first time I've ever seen him that way, either. You're worried about your friend's innocence, aren't you? Oh, I know how the mind of a thief works, Father. I was once a thief myself. But murder... You think he's capable of murder? Well, the answer to that one is more up your alley, Father. Well, in any event, he's hiding something. But I think there is a secret in this house more important than his. And I'm very anxious to find out what it is. Now, first, look at the stains on the wall. And you felt the dust on the banisters as we came up. Well... Well, but the, 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 the question fairly screams at us, Flambeau. What question? Why are there no servants in this house? Yeah. Well, Armstrong certainly had plenty of money. He could afford them. Mm -hmm. There could only be one reason. If the old man himself had something to hide. Father, you mean you think Armstrong... Well, I... Miss Armstrong's in the drawing room downstairs. She'd like to talk to you, Father Brown. If you will please follow me. Well, I, I hesitate to continue, Miss Armstrong. I, I know how badly you feel. Please go on, Father Brown. I'm quite all right. But that bruise on your forehead, Miss Armstrong. Oh, that's nothing. It doesn't bother me. I bumped it. Your father had a great many followers, didn't he? Oh, yes, he helped so many people. Do you know why your father decided to give up all his servants? Well, great men like my father had their peculiarities. Their ideas are often different from other people's. Yes, very true, Mr. Royce, very true. I was only wondering... Wait. This. What? This. Someone's unlocking the front door. Who could it be? No one has a key besides us. Who's that? Me, Magnus. Magnus? Yes, Miss Armstrong, Magnus. And here is Inspector Vincent. Well, how are you, Inspector? Fine, Father Brown, fine. Uh, hello, Flambeau. I might have known you two would be here. Well, I see you got your man, Inspector. Is this the gardener who walked out of here with $100,000 worth of bonds? Walked out of here and right into my office to place them in my charge. Hello, Royce. Uh, are you feeling better, Miss Armstrong? Yes, thank you, Inspector. Now, Magnus... Perhaps you'd care to tell Miss Armstrong why you took those bonds without consulting her. No one in this household is to be trusted. Not even Miss Armstrong. Now, see here, Magnus. Just a minute, Royce. What I want to know, why did you wait so long before reporting this gardener's absence? We didn't think much of it, Inspector, until I noticed the bonds were gone, too. I was waiting for you to report it. Magnus has been telling me some very interesting things. A new angle on the case, Inspector? Well, it closes the case if Magnus is telling the truth. Inspector, what this man says is not to be taken seriously. He's not been himself. What makes you say that? Magnus used to be my father's personal valet, Inspector. But he was taken off that and put to work in the garden. He's been very upset. He thought it was quite a come down. Hmm. Upset, am I? Well, I like that. 
I wasn't going to tell the inspector about you two being in love. But now Be I... Be careful got... what you say, Magnus. You weren't so careful what you said when I heard you two talking in the garden the other night. Magnus. I've stood enough of this. Take it easy, Royce. Inspector, may I make a suggestion? Uh, just I... a minute, Father Brown. Magnus, what are you getting at? About four nights ago it was. I heard them in the garden. He was begging her to marry him. They didn't know I was close by. No. No, Robert, we mustn't. But, Alice, you've no life of your own. Let's face your father now. Let's tell him how much we love each other. Oh, but, Robert, we must wait. We really ought to. I know how important you are to his work, but what about us? Our life. We can't go on waiting forever. Oh, but, Robert, it won't be forever. Oh, darling, you know I love you. You must be sure of that. I am sure, my dearest. Oh, if only I could get my hands on some money. What do you mean, Robert? I'd make you marry me then, Alice. Oh, Robert. I feel guilty even thinking of it. We mustn't, my darling. Not now. So long as he's alive. I'll find some way out of this. Shh. I thought I heard someone. We better not talk here. Come. Yes. Come, my dear. Well, that's all I could hear. But I suspected them what they were up to, and now I know. You know what? That they would be off with the money. Mr. Armstrong's money. The money he had wanted to be used for his work. Inspector, this talk is ridiculous. You don't Mr. think... Mr. Royce, do you use an old-fashioned razor? I? You didn't use it today. Why? Why, I... I mislaid it. When? I don't know. Since, since I last shaved, I guess. That was yesterday. You can tell by his beard. Magnus brought your razor into the precinct with him with the bonds. I'm holding it as evidence. Why? Because it had a smear of blood on it. Oh, well, I must have cut myself shaving and forgot to wipe it. Oh, Inspector, is this all the evidence you have of Royce's guilt? Who said anything about Royce's guilt? Now, Magnus, tell them what you told me just now in the office. I was sleeping in my room over the garage, and about four this morning I heard shots followed by loud outcries, which seemed to come from the attic. An instant later, I, I saw Mr. Armstrong's body pitch from the window and roll down the embankment. When I made sure he was dead, I rushed up to the attic and found his daughter unconscious on the floor with a razor in her hand. You mean Miss Armstrong killed her father? It's a lie! Surely, Father Brown, you for one will take Miss Armstrong's word against this gardener's? But is Miss Armstrong's word against him? So far, she has said nothing. Miss Armstrong... Can't you speak? Magnus told the truth. There, you see? I'll get you for this. I'll Magnus. get you. Here now. You'll not say things like that. I will and I do. Let go. Let go. None of that, Royce. Or I'll arrest you for assault. No. You'll arrest me for murder. Robert. But, man, you've been Armstrong's best friend. What possessed you? I was drunk. Sure. Didn't I find those empty bottles hidden in the garden? Piling up week after week? Sure. I knew what was going on here. Now, now, Magnus, you've told your story. Let Royce tell his. Maybe he was too drunk to remember. Miss Armstrong did not pick up the razor to attack, but to defend her father from me. In the scuffle, she hit her head against the eaves of the attic. I hurried down to get something to revive her, and it must have been then that Magnus came in and found her. Oh, Robert! Robert! All right, Royce. Come along. Uh, wait, Inspector, before you arrest Royce. What is it now, Father Brown? Well, so far we've had opinions and confessions. But we haven't had facts. And we need facts. And where do you think we'll find them? In the attic. In the attic? Uh, yes, Inspector. Perhaps by climbing a few steps nearer heaven, we can come closer to this evil. <laughs> Father, I can't figure out what you expect to find in this attic. Hey, you, you sleep here, don't you, Mr. Royce? Aye. And Mr. Armstrong slept in the room immediately below this. Aye, but why all these questions? Well, now, in the first place, Mr. Royce, uh, why did you bring your victim up here at the crack of dawn in order to kill him? Why didn't you go to his room? Well? I've confessed. Isn't that enough? Well, confession is good for the soil, that's granted, but, uh, Inspector... You, you remember Magnus telling us he was awakened by shots? Yes. What about those shots, Inspector? Were any bullets found in Armstrong's body? Well, we investigated and didn't find a one. Wait, uh, wait. Here is my pistol. 
I fired those shots. You can see the holes in the carpet. Well, why should anybody fire at the carpet? A drunken man will let fly at anything. Uh, he doesn't pick a quarrel with his feet. And there's the rope. It was from my window here that Armstrong was thrown. And the piece of rope I found fell to the vines below. What about the blow on the head? According to our report, he was struck by a massive weapon. A massive weapon indeed, Inspector. Sure, the good green earth was the weapon. Okay, so the good green earth was the weapon. But look, this room was the beginning of the murder. Even I can see from the disorder. Come on, Royce. Let's go. But the disorder here is all on the surface. The very opposite of Armstrong's room. No, no, it doesn't fit. Too many inconsistencies. Father Brown, Royce has given himself up. No, 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 no. Really, this won't do at all. What won't do? Well, first the police said no weapon was found at all. Now we're finding too many. Too many? Now, there's the razor to cut a person, the rope to strangle, the pistol to shoot, and after all this, Armstrong broke his skull falling out of a window. No, 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 no. It won't do. It's not economical. Alice, they won't believe me. You tell them. Inspector. Yes, young lady. May I speak to Father Brown alone for a moment? If you must, but be quick. We can't wait around here all night. And now what is it, my child? What is it that you wish to say? You're trying to save Robert, but it's no use. I should have realized before this his case is hopeless. Before he came to us, he was a prisoner of war. He had some shocking experiences. Do well, you think that was the reason for his drinking? Yes, he wasn't himself at times. Mm. We thought he was getting over it, but... Father, I saw Robert commit the crime myself. Mm. I heard the shots. I ran up just in time to see him leap at my father. Where was your father standing? He was clinging to the windowsill in terror. But uh, the rope... Robert tried to strangle him with it. Father fought back and the rope slipped from his shoulders to his feet tightening around the leg. Robert was like a maniac. I snatched the razor from the floor and managed to cut the rope before he pushed me against uh, the Ms. eaves. Miss Armstrong, what we see with our eyes is sometimes farthest from the truth. Now, you thought that you saw a man about to commit murder. What you actually saw was two men struggling, and then you lost consciousness. But Father Brown... I want you to go downstairs, my dear. I don't understand. Go on now, please. Do as I say. Very well. Thank you, my dear. Well, Father Brown, I've seen and heard enough to convince me. Unless you know something pretty startling, I'm taking Royce down and booking him. If you don't mind, Inspector, I'd like to talk to Royce a bit before you do. What about, Father? Oh, where's Alice? She's out of earshot, Mr. Royce. So why don't you tell us about it now? Tell you about what? I see. Well, then I'll tell you, Inspector. Those three tools of death were not used to kill Armstrong, but to save him. Save him? Father, I don't get this. Save him from what? From himself. At the time old Armstrong died, he was a suicidal maniac. No, Royce, you weren't drinking. No? No, and you were the only one who knew what lurked behind old Armstrong's laughter. No, no. Yes, you knew what... Uh, that behind that merry mask was the mind of an atheist. No. A man who knew nothing of God. He didn't realize until it was too late that human beings need something to worship greater than themselves. I warned Flambeau not to bring you here, Father. I was afraid it might come to this. Well, man, what harm is there in the truth now? Alice must never know. Why? Why shouldn't she be told that you weren't the enemy her father feared? Shall I name the enemy, Royce? All right, Father Brown. You win. This morning, Armstrong was determined to do away with himself. He knew I kept my service pistol in my dresser. And when he heard me go down to the kitchen early at dawn, he left his room and came up here. And you came in and accidentally surprised him. I, I got the pistol out of his hand, but in the struggle I had no time to unload, so I fired at the carpet. Then he found my razor and tried to slash himself. Mm. I snatched it from him and flung it to the floor. I ran after him with a rope to tie him up. And it was then that the unlucky girl ran in. And misunderstanding the struggle... She tried to cut her father free with a razor. She cut the rope, slashing my knuckle just as I pushed her. And he went crashing into eternity out of that window. But, Father Brown, you spoke of an, of an enemy, old man Armstrong, feared. I did, yes. You mean the enemy was in this room with him at the same time as Royce? Yes. What? 
The sin? The very thing Armstrong was so vehement against. You mean alcohol? It was his worst enemy. The moment I saw the ginger in one of the bureau drawers downstairs, I suspected it was the futile effort of a man who was trying to give up drinking. Isn't that right, Rice? Yes, Father Brown. Armstrong was living a lie, and it preyed on his mind. And he feared his public might find him out. Aye. The more despondent he got, the darker visions he had of failing his followers. The people who looked to him for guidance. So fearful was he of anyone praying into his secret that he hid from his friends and got rid of all his servants. And you were the only one he could confide in. Aye. He didn't understand your loyalty, did he? No, but it was for her sake, you see. And so you kept the knowledge of his spells to yourself, letting his daughter believe it was you, the result of the war. Aye. Well, Royce, I can't imagine why you didn't speak up before. Don't you see? It was because she must never know. Never know what? Why, that she killed her own father. I see. By trying to free him. My son, I think she should know. After all, it was only an accident. And accidents, no matter how tragic... Do not poison life like sins. I think you should both be happier now. Surely, two private lives are worth more than the public reputation of Aaron Armstrong. Well, Father... At last you're back. Yes, we were worried. Uh, hello, Nora. Hello, Peter. Have you had dinner? I, uh... No, no, I don't think I have. Oh, that's a shame. I'd better go fix you something right away. Oh, my. It's nice to sit down again. Oh, Peter, you missed your story tonight. I'm sorry. Father, I heard tonight's story. Many versions of it. You did? How? From the news commentators over the radio. Oh, They've been reading bulletins on it every half hour or so. I see. Tell me, Father, what made you suspect Royce wasn't guilty? Well, looking into the hidden places of his attic room convinced me of Royce's innate neatness, Peter. I don't quite see. Well, I, I knew that no one as orderly as Royce could commit such a murder. The whole thing was too sloppy. I mean, the three tools of death. But how did you discover that Armstrong was a suicide? Well, the same method, but in reverse. I'm afraid my methods are not orthodox, Peter. I'm no real detective. To, to me, a man's inner nature must be revealed first. Armstrong's habits revealed his nature, just as Royce's did. They justified certain suspicions I had when Flambeau told me of his death. What do you mean? Well, Armstrong's erratic character was uh, clear to me when I looked into his bureau drawers. See, there, there I saw the compartments of his mind. The neatness mixed with the disorder which his friend Royce had tried to cover up. The litter reflecting the mind of the depressed. Surely you had something more than that to prove he was a suicide? Well, uh... Yes, Peter, I had myself. Yourself? Yes. I dare say that I would feel as Armstrong did if I had ever preached an easy road to happiness and then had slipped into a ditch by the side of the road. Yes, Father, I see. Yes. Well, now, uh, good night, Father Peter. Good night, Father Brown. <laughs> listening to the adventures of Father Brown with Carl Swenson as Father Brown. Father Brown's adventure tonight was called The Three Tools of Death. The character of Father Brown was created by G.K. Chesterton in the detective novels called The Adventures of Father Brown. This is the Armed Forces Radio Service.
Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Adventures of Father Brown. Exciting pages of G.K. Chesterton comes the best-loved detective of them all, Father Brown, played by Carl Swenson. Now for tonight's adventures, The Mystified Mind. It is just after lunch on a hot August afternoon, and Father Brown sits at his desk in the study of his modest parish house. He's deep in his notebooks and monthly records. Father Brown doesn't look up at the sound of the doorbell. Nora, the housekeeper, comes along the corridor past the study door. It's a pity they can't leave him alone just for once. Hello, Nora. Oh, it's you, Flambeau. Yes. Is Father Brown in? I've brought someone to see him. This is Miss Harris, Nora. Good afternoon, Nora. Flambeau told me about you. <laughs> Nothing good, I warrant. Well, if you must see Father Brown, you must. He's in his study. Oh, thank you, Nora. This way, Miss Harris. You know, uh, Nora's bark is much worse than her bite. <laughs> Hello, Father Brown. Well, well, Flambeau. My, this is a pleasure. I've brought someone to see you, Father. This is Miss Joyce Harridge. Well, come in. Come in, my dear. Come in. Uh, pull up that comfortable chair for Miss Harridge, Flambeau. I'm afraid we're disturbing you, Father. One of man's... Greatest pleasures is to be disturbed at his work. Yes, sit down, my dear. Thank you, Father. Miss Harridge has brought me a case, Father, which I think is more up your alley than mine. Oh. The fact is, we're on our way now to talk to a murderer in his cell. Oh. And what makes you think, Miss Harridge, that this man you call a murderer is not guilty? Why, how do you know I think that, Father? Well, because Slambo is a detective. And the only use a man charged with murder has for a detective is to prove his innocence. Well, you've hit the nail on the head, Father. But I'm afraid there isn't much I can do. It looks like an open and shut case. You know, I, I have never understood the meaning of that phrase, Flambeau. To, to be both open and shut is a paradox. Well, uh, now suppose, my dear, that you tell me about the man in the cell whom someone has called a murderer. Well, to begin with, Father, trail engineers. Rollins' offices are located on the 17th floor of the Jefferson Building. The whole thing happened last Thursday morning, just after I arrived at the office. I see. Well, go on. Well, every Thursday morning, just as our office opens, a man comes in to clean the windows. I see. His name is Luigi Conti. We've all gotten to know him well over the years because his daughter was in Keller. I just got into the office last week. Good morning, Miss Harris. No, I've sent you not to come to work. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Mr. Clayton. Hello, darling. Oh, just think what it would be like at the beach today. <laughs> I guess the sick grandmother gag has worn itself out. <laughs> Let's plan the beach for the weekend, though, huh? Oh, yes, I'd love it. Oh, good morning, Mr. Gregory. Uh, good morning. Whether it's good or not is a matter of your own personal feeling. If you're waiting to get into the vault, it's only three. The time lock won't work for another two minutes. <laughs> when I first came to work here, I was convinced, though, it wasn't until I began getting here on time that I discovered he actually lived in the outside world. <laughs> uh -oh. Well, I want to talk to you about the Kennedy job after I've gone through the mail, Clayton. Yes, sir. Oh, there's the window cleaner. You know, it's gotten so you can tell time by Luigi. <laughs> Hey, Joyce, yes. You know, that's a job I wouldn't like to have. What? Luigi's. That's something to the pit of my stomach when I see him climb out on that. He's used to it. There's really no danger with one of those safety belts. The window cleaner! He's fallen! It's Luigi! One side of his belt gave way! Just hanging there! Mr. Allen, help me! Mr. Allen! Quick, Gregory! Fallen all the way to the street. Papa! Papa! Don't look, Lisa. You mustn't look, my dear. Dreadful, dreadful accident. Accident? Look, part of the belt's still hanging there. It's been cut through. Not an accident. Tony did it. Tony? Lisa, you mustn't say that. Tony did it, I tell you. I know it. Tony did it. That's the whole crux of the case, Father. 
It was murder, all right, because Luigi's safety belt had been cut through with a razor blade. Oh, my. So that the minute he threw his weight against it, it gave way. And then the man that uh, Lisa accused, and the man she called Tony. That's Anthony Cremona, Father. Uh-huh. He's been arrested and charged with the murder. He was Luigi's assistant at the Jefferson building. And it was nuts about Luigi's daughter. Well, why did the girl jump so quickly to the conclusion that it was this boy who had cut the case? Well, apparently because the old man and the boy were constantly arguing and fighting. Ah. There were threats and counter-threats. I see. Father, Luigi was terribly proud of Lisa. Every cent he'd earned had gone for her education and business school. Mm. He thought Tony wasn't good enough for her. He was dead set against anything serious developing between them. Their window cleaning equipment in a closet, and both Tony and Luigi had a key to it. Young Tony had plenty of opportunity to slice the belt with a razor blade. As far as the cops are concerned, that's all there is to it. Yes. Yeah. Is that all the evidence against him, Flambeau? That's all the police have found, Father. No, no, that's just, just too black and white. There, there are no shading, no coloring. People are not so simple as a first-grade problem in arithmetic, you know. Well, Father, I've gotten to know Tony a little in the last year. Oh? He's been so anxious to marry Lisa, he's been working like a Trojan to better himself. Going to night school, studying engineering. Father, Miss Harridge has an interesting point to make. Oh. Well, it's simply this, Father Brown. If Tony had struck down Lisa's father in the midst of one of their arguments, it would fit his character, his hot temper. Yes, but cutting through the belt was a cold and thick character, is that it? Yes, father. Yes, I think we should not put off going to see Anthony Cremona in this service. No, but the trouble is he won't see anyone. He won't talk to a lawyer, he won't see Miss Harridge, and he won't see me. We thought that maybe with you, he might feel differently. Well, sometimes... Injustice will turn a man's face away from all other men. We can only try, Miss Harris. We can only try. Cremona cell is at the end of this block, Father. Father. Uh, thank you, thank you, sir. Uh, Flambeau, would you and Miss Harris wait here? Yes, Father Brown. See you, Cremona. I don't want to see anybody. I, uh, Tony, I didn't know they sent a priest to see it'll just before the hanging. But there are two kinds of hanging, Tony. The hanging that takes place in the minds of men and the hanging that takes place at the end of a rope. A priest may be valuable in both cases. Well, I can't stop you from talking to me if you want to. Hey, you may open the cell door for me, Sergeant. Holler when you want to get out, Father. All right, thank you. Now, look, if this is some kind of a trick to get me to change my story... Since I haven't heard your story, Tony, why should I ask you to change it? Well, maybe it don't sound like much. Can't change the truth. And who is it that doesn't believe it? The police? Lisa. You know something, Father? The minute it happened, the very minute it happened, Lisa shouted out my name. Yes, but you had threatened her father, hadn't you, Tony? Sure, I threatened him. He was a stubborn, narrow-minded old fool. But I had a suit of clothes and a fine tailor and plenty of dough in my pocket. He'd have thought I was the right guy. Yes, Tony? Father, Lisa hasn't even been to see me. She hasn't given me a chance. You think she'd at least hear my side of it, wouldn't you? Well, what is your side of it, my son? I never touched Luigi's safety belt. Kept that stuff in the same closet, but I never touched this belt. Yeah. Go on, Tony. If I was going to murder Luigi, I wouldn't have been satisfied with cutting just one side of his belt. No? No. But the belt should have held him up. Even when one side gave way. It was an accident the other side of the belt didn't hold. No window cleaner would have cut just one side of the belt if he wanted Luigi to fall. What's the use of my telling him that? Maybe a great deal of you, Tony. You see, there's a bitterness in your heart that's keeping a cloud in front of your eyes. You have friends, you know. Friends? Oh, well, it's Miss Harris who believes them. And it's Lambeau, the detective hired to clear you of this charge. And there's me, Tony. What do you mean that, Father? Yes. Do you really mean it? Well, of course I mean it. Well, then, if you see Lisa, will you tell her? 
Will you tell her there are still people that don't go around accusing a man without giving him a hearing? Well, Father, will he talk to you? Yes, 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 Lambeau, he talked with me. And what do you think, Father? Sometimes the things I think are frightening, even to me. Sometimes I wish I could give up the whole business of thinking. Then you think Tony is guilty? No, Miss Hattie, I think he's innocent. But in that case, Father... But thinking it isn't proven. I'd like to go to your office. I'd like to see the place where this accident happened. Accident? Now, Father, I've seen these tricks pulled before, and cutting a safety belt is... I have a passion for accuracy, Mr. I called it an accident because it was an accident. Tragic accident. You see, the window cleaner, Luigi, was never meant to die. But, Father... Now, let's not waste time, Flambeau. I, I have an urgent curiosity to lay eyes on the criminal, and he's not in a cell at the city jail. And it's entirely possible that we'll find him at the office of Rollins and Keller. May God have mercy. And this is the office where it happened, eh, Miss Haddad? Yes, Father. There's only this one large drafting room and Mr. Rollins' private office. I see. And that, that's the vault that you spoke of. Yes, it is. Oh. Old Gregory sits there by the wicket, and nobody goes in or out of the vault without being checked by him. Oh, what's so valuable in the vault? Oh, chiefly blueprints. We do a lot of work for the government. All very hush-hush. Now, which is the window from which Luigi fell? Oh, uh, that one over there, at the far end of the office. Ah, yes, it would be at the far end. And, Miss Harridge, I think I should talk to your employer, Mr. Rollins. Very well, Father. His office is right over here. Thank you. Pardon me, Mr. Rollins. What? Oh, come in. Mr. Rollins, this is Father Brown and Flambeau. They'd like to talk to you for a moment. Come in, come in. Well, if you'll excuse me, I'll get back to my drawing table. Yes, Miss Harris. Well, gentlemen, what can I do for you? So we've come about the window cleaner who was murdered. On the contrary, Mr. Rollins. We've come about the vault that was robbed. Well, gentlemen, make up your mind. I'm sorry to have to tell you that Valuable designs or blueprints are missing from your vault. I don't know what this is all about, gentlemen, but I can assure you there's nothing missing from the vault. You see, it works on a time mechanism. It opens at five minutes past nine in the morning and closes at five minutes to five at night. All day long, Gregory sits outside the gate and nothing can be taken without his knowing it. I'd trust Gregory with anything I have. With your money, Mr. Rollins? With more than that, Father Brown. There are secrets in that vault that money could not buy back. Well, I only hope that whatever was stolen is still missing. Oh, really, Father. First you tell me I've been robbed, and then you wish me bad luck on top of it. Now, if I worked in your office, and someone offered me a great deal of money for one of the blueprints in your vault, this is what I do. I take the blueprint, have it photostatic, and then return it to the vault. And if I was lucky enough to get back in time, you'd never know you'd been betrayed, Mr. Rollins. That would be a way to do it. Father, look in the vault, Mr. Rollins. Don't let anyone know what you're looking for. And if you find anything missing, come back and tell me, but no one else. This is really ridiculous. Look, Mr. Rollins. All right. I will look. Will you gentlemen wait here? Uh, thank you. Of course, I'm really an innocent bystander, but uh, if it wouldn't be too much trouble to explain... Yeah, but the trouble doesn't lie in the explanation, Flambeau. The trouble lies in catching a peculiarly subtle thief. Murderer. Th that's the point, Flambeau. There was no murderer. By intent. And uh, how was Luigi supposed to fall 17 stories to the street without dying, Father? He wasn't supposed to fall. The other side of his belt should have held him up. But what could be the purpose in it? The everlasting greed of man, Flambeau. That was the motive. The purpose in cutting Luigi's belt was purely and simply to distract attention from the vault. 
That's, that's, that's an old magician's trick. Distract attention from what's really happening. Everyone was at the window. Yeah, my George, it would work. Certainly. If the thief knew exactly where the blueprint he wanted was kept in the vault, it would only take him a matter of seconds. Precisely, Flambeau. And with everyone's attention riveted in another direction... You were right, Father Brown. Secret designs for a new jet-propelled plane, gone. You must notify the police at once. Uh, not if you want the plans back. What? If the thief doesn't know that you've discovered the theft, he'll try to put them back. But how do we catch him, Father? If we watch the vault, he won't go in. And if we don't watch the vault, we won't know who puts the plans back. I think I can find an answer to that, Riddle. How? By committing a crime, Flambeau. What are you doing here, Father Brown? Oh, I'm just sitting on this bench, Miss Harridge. I saw Flambeau leave, but why are you sitting here? Well, you, you see, to understand why a criminal acts as he does, one must know exactly how he feels. One must, uh, so to speak, get inside of him, understand his every thought. And when I've done this, when, I, when I've reached the point of committing the crime myself, then I know who the criminal is. Oh, well, that sounds complicated. Understanding the human mind is the most complicated of all sciences, Miss Harridge. Now, take yourself, for example. Your interest in young Tony Cremona. Is it just ordinary human kindness? Or is it personal and intimate? It's just that he's a nice boy who's being blamed for something I don't think he did. I see. And, uh... Is there no one else here who feels the same as you? I know Jim Clayton. I'd uh, I'd like to talk to this Mr. Clayton of yours, may I? Yes, I'll call him. Jim? Jim? Yes? Jim, this is Father Brown. Oh, hello, Father. How do you do? Uh, Joyce has been telling me that you feel the same way as we do about Tony Cremona. Well, unfortunately, just feeling something will not help him. Yes, I know. The trouble is, there aren't any clues that point in any other direction. Ah, that's, that's what makes it such a clever crime. But just because a man points in a certain direction, Mr. Clayton, doesn't mean that we must walk in that direction. So I am stubbornly walking in all the other directions, if you see what I mean. Here's a telegram for you, Father Brown. But the telegram... Well, now, that's odd. It's very odd. <clears throat> Advise you leave office of Rollins and Keller and don't come back. Well, well, well. Father Brown. Uh, yes? I'm Lisa Conti. I know why you're here. Oh, do you now? Because I don't know why you're here, Lisa. I work here. What else should I be? Well, you might be in a at the city jail talking to a nice young man who's eating out his heart because of you. Talking to a murderer, you mean? And where is your authority for judging, Lisa? Even a court of law will listen to young Tony's story. He threatened to kill Papa. He did it. I hang him. I'll stand and watch it and be glad. Then you should be happy now, Lisa. Because you've already done the only hanging that'll cause him any pain. But Father Brown, I tell you... A person who will not listen even to a lie cannot have much to tell anyone, Lisa. Because what can she know? That that's either true or false. Tell me, who, who, who delivered this telegram? Oh, it was delivered by a regular messenger, Father. I see. Here, read it. What? It's a threat against you, Father Brown. Do you think the police allowed Tony to send me that telegram from his cell in the city jail? Oh, no, I... They I... tell me, Lisa, that it's possible to visit the jail at any time, day or night. I beg your pardon, but uh, you're Mr. Gregory, aren't you? Uh, yes. Do you know the mechanism of that vault fascinates me? It's closed for the night now? Yes. I see. You mean to say that no one can open it until morning? Not till five minutes past nine tomorrow morning. 
Tomorrow morning. You're certain? There's no way on earth to open it till then. Well, now, you, you may think it's odd for me to have this turn of mind, Mr. Gregory, but suppose a thief were to walk into the vault in broad daylight and come out with something he had no right to have. I'd stop him. Oh, but suppose he was a monstrous big man, Mr. Gregory, who could pick you up and put you aside like a child. Then I'd shoot him. You see, I keep a gun in this desk drawer. Oh, my. Yes. Well, now, now, suppose that you weren't at your post, Mr. Gregory. I'm always at my post. Always? Always. Well, 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 that's an interesting speculation, Mr. Gregory. Good night. Yes. I'll, I'll see you in the morning just before you open your wonderful vault. You're coming back again tomorrow? Oh, yes. Unless, of course, I should receive a visit from a murderer before that time. Oh, there you are, Father. I thought you were never going to get home. Telegram, Flambeau. I've been warned to give up my innocent bench sitting at Rollins and Keller. Here, you can see for yourself. That's the way the wind blows. Well, at any rate, it's a wind, Flambeau, but I'm, I'm frank to say that I don't know from what direction it blows. Oh, excuse me, Flambeau. Of Father Brown speaking. Okay, then listen. Uh, uh, who is this? Never mind who it is. The boy won't hang if you mind your own business. Well, what's that? You got the telegram? Yes, yes, I got it. Did you send it? Never mind who sent it. It's good advice. Now, you stay away from Rollins and Keller, you understand? Stay away. Hello? 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 Well, now, we seem to be getting warm, Flambeau. That was another warning to stay away from Rollins and Keller. Oh? What are you going to do? Return, of course. Tomorrow. But, Father, the thief won't put the plans back while you're watching the vault. He'll put them back tomorrow morning, Flambeau. Well, what makes you think so? That's not a matter of thinking. I know it. And I know when, Flambeau. He'll put the plans back in the vault at exactly ten minutes past nine. Lord, please. Seventeen, please. Oh, what's the matter, Father? You look worried. Now, we've drawn this a uh, touch fine, Flambeau. It's already one minute past nine. Well, unless the elevator breaks down. Oh, don't, don't, don't even think such a thought, Flambeau. Don't, don't even think. Seventeen. Ah, well, we made it. Oh, Father Brown. Oh, good morning, Lisa. Father, I... I went to see Tony last night. Did you now? Father, I don't know what I could have been thinking of when I talked to him. When I saw him. He's a good boy, Lisa. A good, honest boy who holds you very high in his heart. And I'm I'm sure there's less pain in it now from having seen you. Three minutes past nine, Father. Oh, yes, yes. Ex excuse me, Lisa. Come along, Flambeau. Good morning, Father Brown. Uh, good morning, Miss Heritage. Good morning, Mr. Clay. Hello, Father. I hope to be here in time to see the vault mechanism. <laughs> well, you've hit it right on the nose, Father. There's Gregory standing by now. Eh, I see you did come back. Yes, I came back, Mr. Gregory. Well, now, how, how does this vault of yours work? In 30 seconds, I open the door. You, you, you mean to say there's no ringing of bells? No fanfare of trumpets? No. I just open the door. Well, now, Mr. Gregory, I am disappointed. You know, somehow I, I, I expected more drama. Here comes Mr. Rollins, Father. Oh, uh, good morning, Mr. Rollins. Father Brown, I simply can't hold off going to the police any longer. I have a responsibility to the government. Those plans... Those are... plans, Mr. Rollins, will be in your hands in a very few minutes. You know who took them? Oh, you might say that I do. Uh, well, what time is it, Flambeau? Uh, seven minutes past nine, Father. Well, then there's no use delaying. Uh, Flambeau, <clears throat> uh, please take those very efficient handcuffs from your pocket and put them on 
Mr. Gregory. Me? Gregory? Why, that's impossible. Arrest Mr. Gregory, Flamboy. Well, it's your party, Father. All right, Gregory, hold out your hand. Well, this is insane. I, I tell you, you're all insane. I had nothing to do with that window cleaner's death. You're charged with stealing important plans from the vault, Gregory. That's not true. You know that's not true, don't you, Mr. Rollins? Plans have been stolen from the vault, Gregory, but I think this is a mistake. I can't believe that you had anything to do with it. I backed Gregory to the limit, too. Nothing could be taken from the vault without Gregory's connivance. He says he never left his post here. No. Well, if he didn't, then he's a thief. Come along, Gregory. Oh, really, Father Brown? Gregory's been with us 30 years. There's no doubt about it. Gregory's on the level. Well, maybe he is. Maybe he is. Father Brown took a copy of my copy. Father Brown, what are you doing here in the vault? Waiting, Miss Harris. Waiting for you to bring back the plan. So you knew? Well, uh, How did you know? Well, I didn't. Not really. But... All I knew was that the thief would come into the vault. You see, Miss Harris, you fell for your own trick. Trick? The window cleaner was your trick for distracting attention from the vault. Mr. Gregory was my trick for doing the same. So that was it. I confess that when you walked in here, I was a little puzzled. After the telegram and the man's voice on the telephone warning me not to come back here. Man's voice? Yes, I, uh, I rather think that your fiancé, Mr. Clayton, has suspected all along that you were guilty. Of course. And he tried to frighten me off. Why did you do it, Miss Harris? Jim and I wanted to get married. He said he didn't have enough money. Then I was... Offered a big sum to steal one of the blueprints for just a few hours, just long enough for it to be photostatic. Then I could put it back and no one would be the wiser. I see. But everything went wrong. First Luigi was killed. Oh, Father, I swear I never meant that to happen. Yes, but it did happen. And then when Tony was arrested, you went to Flambeau. I wish I knew why. I wish I knew why I went to Flambeau in the first place. Because no person is all bad or all good. You knew that Tony was innocent, and the goodness in you forced you to do something to help him. The strange twist that you must now forfeit your freedom, perhaps your life, only because you were not all bad. <laughs> oh, help me, Father. Please help me. Yes. Yes, I'll help you. But we must begin by facing the music. Come along, Miss Harris. <laughs> Prophecy of Doom, an exciting adventure in which a world-famous mind reader prophesies the death of a famous inventor at a moment to be decided by a watch that cannot tell time. The Adventures of Father Brown, based on the stories by G.K. Chesterton, was produced by Francis Sherling Oliver and directed by William M. Sweets. Carl Swenson was Father Brown. And the cast included Barry Thompson, Mitzi Gould, Bobby Reddick, Bill Griffiths, Will Gear, Gretchen Davidson, Vinton Hayworth, and Gladys Thornton. The script was by Judson Phillips, and the music by Bill Wurgis. John Stanley speaking. Americans everywhere, please listen, and seafaring men especially. Experienced seamen are now needed to man cargo and... Waters. This means you, if you're an oiler, water tender, mate, or engineer. Every available man of the sea is needed to keep every fighting man at the front well supplied. Join the Merchant Marine as soon as possible, upgrading is faster than ever before. Why your name, address, and classification today collect to Merchant Marine, Washington, D.C. Standby pay begins immediately upon acceptance. This announcement from the Warshipping Administration is brought to you as a public service. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. That wraps it up for tonight's show at 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. We really enjoy good reviews, so when you have a chance, say something nice about a selection of shows, or maybe suggest some to us. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.